to Mighty King, we celebrate your goodness to us as we join with the time and joy of Christmas. And as your love has been revealed in all of its fullness, we pray that love may abound in our hearts during such a day. Grant us the spirit of Christ that we may live in the fullness of his character. In his name we pray. Amen. What a good-looking family. <laughs> Tonight, I want us to spend a little bit of time on the Christmas story, and then we're going to jump and fast-forward to uh, a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was in the middle of some turmoil, in the middle of things crashing all around them. They were for them, and they get this, this command from Paul that they should be a light. And so we've talked a lot about, in a, in a, in a couple weeks, uh, four weeks of leading up to Advent, leading up to Christmas Eve, into Christmas Day, about the light. We've talked a lot about the light. And so tonight we want to focus specifically on the light of the world, it's Jesus. Um, I'm very thankful to be not in the hospital this year. Um, last year, this time last year, I was uh, sitting in a hospital room after having an emergency appendectomy and getting COVID. And so it was a bit surreal not to be with all of you last year. So this kind of has a bit of a more of a, I don't know, not if I'm really emotional, but um, it, as a pastor, you've got a Super Bowl and you've got a World Series and it's Christmas Eve and it's Easter. And you miss one, you feel like, well, I, I kind of not fulfilled my duty as a pastor. And so uh, last of this, but man, I love watching all of you file in and at the end of the service, we're going to light candles. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And so I'm just overwhelmed by having you all here with us. I'm thankful that you're here. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to start with the story of Christmas morning with a question. What is most precious to you? If you really boil down, like what do you hold most dear? Um, there was a, a, an author several years ago. He had a a website, and he put together a book, and he called it The Burning House. And he would ask people from around the world to pull out some choice possessions. If your house is on fire, and you could grab one box, or you could grab one backpack filled with your most cherished possessions, what would they be? And so he did this for years on his website, and he put it into a coffee table book, and it was usually, um, he would watch the generation kind of change, and it started off as like the photo album, and maybe a few choice heirlooms, and then it became... A, a portable hard drive with all your pictures on it. And so it kind of shifted over the years. But the point was, what, is, what was most precious to these people? It was usually maybe a, an old-timer pocket knife that grandpa gave a grandson. Or it was a rattle from the child that they lost. Or it's a, a memento, a family heirloom, a pocket watch, something pat. What is most precious to you? Is it your health? Is it possessions? Is it family? Is it what, is, what do you hold most dear to you? Keep that at the front of your mind. We read in Matthew the story of great genealogy lineage that the whole nation of Israel has been waiting for the Messiah, been waiting and waiting and waiting. The Bible had stopped being written. God's voice had removed himself from the prophets. For 400 years, the people of God sat in silence. And then he began to speak at the birth 
of a, of a, of a child. And you read in Matthew, and we get into chapter 2, which continues the story of the wise men visiting, all the songs that we sing. But right one is a story of this birth. Starting in verse 21. His people from their sins. All the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That the thing that we should hold most precious is that God the Son came to live with us, that God came to be with us. The religions of the world that exist don't have that story at their core. They have a certain leader, doing some certain things, cleaning yourself up, polishing, doing some things, paying penance, and doing all this stuff to try to please a God that's far off, that essentially can't stand you, has wrath for you, but if you measure up, will maybe be in your presence. And we have the story of Christ, God in flesh, God the Son, coming to be with us. The step out of heaven to come as a baby. Why would you come as a baby? It makes no sense. Just show up. If God arrived and showed up, coming out of a cloud and glowing with all his glory, would we worship him less? Probably not. But we wouldn't have a great mediator. We wouldn't have a great friend. So Jesus comes as a baby to live, to deal with pain and suffering and loss so that we can see exactly what it's like to live the way we're all supposed to live. We all, And thankfully, thankfully, he shows us the way that it's not about you and me being perfect. It's about us submitting our lives to him. So Matthew tells us the story of the hope of the world appearing, showing up, God in flesh. Luke does too, but I chose Matthew for today. And then we see the about a year going through the Gospel of John, and throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is described as light. He calls himself the light of the world, which is a pretty bold statement. Jesus says, again, not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you continue in chapter 8, you see that the Pharisees are very angry about this because he's making bold proclamations. I am God. But throughout the Gospel of John, he's described as light. He's described as light. In John, he came about the light of Christ so that all he was not right. John for their deeds were evil. John twelve me will not remain in darkness. And in first John on the which is true in him and in you because the dark is already shining. 
that over and over and over again, Jesus is described as light, light in the darkness. That we need light to shine in the darkness. Wherever we feel terrified, we feel inadequate, we feel unable, we feel anxious, the light shines and bursts through all of that darkness for us to see the truth. The He is everything. There was a church in modern day Greece, this little spot, a church called the, name, the city of Thessalonica. The city still exists today. Um, it is right where the church flourished. This church in Thessalonica, because it's right on a trade route linking the Roman Empire, um, this is the spot where of Paul, most of the New Testament, these churches that we are often seeing letters passed back and forth would travel along this Roman road, and so the Word of God was moving back and forth and back and forth, and the church in Thessalonica was uniquely positioned. It was uniquely positioned because as a repository for the Word of God, it was disseminated throughout the known Roman world. Pretty cool spot for Paul to have a missionary presence, but then also there was a lot of opposition, and so this church was known to be a place that was used by God to spread the word of God. The problem was that we're also on that Roman road, and anything that happened in the world started pushing in and pushing against them. There would people come against them, there would be calamity, there's rumors of war, and there's diseases, and there's anything that would be in a major metropolitan area, on a trade route, they were constantly bombarded. Today we would say uh, they had 24-hour news. We would say they have constant access to information. They would say they had international travel. They would all be part of our culture and our lives today. It was true in Thessalonica. Everything happening in the world was blowing through this church. And they got so worried about their position in God's world that they started to shrink in and insulate themselves. They started to draw in close. They put up their little bubble. They put up their wall. They put up their shells. They stopped going out into the communities. They stopped caring about others. They stopped going into the neighborhoods. They, they just were waiting for Jesus to come back for a second time and take them all home. They got them. Um, it's okay to have families and to raise a family. They were just ready for it all. They were so stressed about everything that was going on around them. They stopped to live. They stopped living for each other, and they stopped living for Christ. And so Paul, Thessalonians, you were made, verse 3, security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as a woman. For you all are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. They were scared. They were terrified. There were people coming against them. There were governments going against them. There were people saying that they were crazy. There was all this. They're in the middle of a major trade route. The whole world passed before them. 
they should be afraid of, and they just shrunk in on themselves. And Paul reminds them. It's like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when Jesus is going to return. You don't know. So you need to live like the light. You need to live as children of light, not children of darkness. That puts in us a whole different kind of hope. It puts in us a whole different way of living. We're not afraid of what happens a couple years from now. Instead, we live for today. Today might be the day that someone you know needs the hope of Christ to be explained to them. That they are filled with the what-ifs and I'm not sure's and what's going to happen. And all you have to do is turn on the news. And it's a constant bombarding of, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. And this church in Thessalonica was dealing with the exact same thing. What was held precious to them was the birth of that baby in that manger. Because it brought hope. Jesus brings hope. And if we believe in the light instead of the darkness, then we are agents of that hope to a world that needs to hear about that truth. Well, I'll just read it to you. So the for the we get drunk or drunk at night, but since we belong love and for the helmet of and for for God to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. Now, he uses an analogy of nighttime and drunkenness, and this isn't really a sermon about drinking. So, he's saying that people often confuse themselves. That if they are drunk, that it creates a, a space in your mind where you can't hear the Holy Spirit. You can't be filled with hope if you're filling your mind with so many things that distract you from God. That's the point of what Paul's saying. And if you are filling your mind and your heart with things that distract you from the hope and the light of Christ, you're naturally going to be filled with anxiety and fear and all the what-ifs are going to hit you. But if you continue to hold what is precious close to your heart, that on that day that we celebrate on Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of Christ, hope came into the world. God the Son stepped out of heaven to live as a human being, 100% God and 100% man, to show us what hope really looks like. Do you have Christ as precious to you? Now, on Christmas Eve services, we've packed this place, and I love it. And I don't know, I'm looking around the room, and there's faces that I've never met. I'd hope to meet you after the service. But if I don't have a chance to, if I had one shot, I would pray that you would look at the people around you, whatever reason you came here. Someone drug you in. If one of your family members said, all I wanted for Christmas is to go to church with you, and so they bait and switched you and got you here. If church is hard for you because of past pains and hurts and weirdness and human beings being sinful, And I'm sorry for that. But if you could take one 
moment to push all of that aside. Is Christ precious to you? Do you feel the truth of the light of Jesus in your bones? It's all that matters. Everything else falls into place. Maybe roughly, maybe tense. Everything falls into place with Christ as king. And then we're put on a mission. Those of us that believe in Christ and hold him dear and precious, we're not allowed to keep that quiet or keep that inside. We can't be selfish with our faith. We are called to encourage one another and build each other up. And Paul's reminding this church in Thessalonica, just as you're doing, this is who you are. This, you know this to be true. As Christ has changed you, you have a burning desire in your heart to help others to change as well. It's who we are. On Christmas Eve, a couple questions. A couple statements. And then we're going to light this place up. It's going to be lit in here. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Is that a thing? Is that, I don't know if that's a thing. I said that earlier and people looked at me like I was an idiot. So apparently I'm old. So We said. Yes, this is the celebration of his birth. We won't get to the debates of when the time of year, but this is the celebration of his birth. We're going to stick with that. We celebrate because he's everything. He's most precious to us. We also worship him. Not because he just came as a baby, but because he went to a cross for us. I know too often Easter starts to meld into Christmas. But you can't really understand the story of Christ's birth without knowing his death. That he came to be with us, to live with us, to show us the light, and he came to take away our sin with his death. He's most precious to us. Because without him, we have no hope of future. We have no hope of eternity. And lastly, it's our mission to share that truth. It's heartbreaking when people don't have that rock-solid hope. They become easily swayed. They become easy to tip over. Things crash around us. Nobody's life is perfect. But if you have the anchor of the hope that we find in Christ, you can get through anything. It doesn't mean you're free from pain. It doesn't mean you're free from suffering. It doesn't mean you're free from turmoil coming your way. But you can get through it with his love and with a community of people that are willing to share that light with you as well. I bet if I asked you all to close your eyes for a few minutes, you could think of someone who's far from God, who's in the middle of turmoil, and they need you to help them to see that light. So as we sing our closing song, I'm going to pray first. This is one of my favorite things to do. I also want to offer an invitation to you. If you have questions of God, if you'd like to know more, if there's been some barriers and some hurdles in your way that's caused you to really reject and push away from God, 
That's the passion of this church, is to help remove those barriers. If it's intellectual, we can handle that. If it's heart issues, we can work on that too. There's a lot of people in this room that would love to have those conversations with you, to remove those barriers. As a recovering intellectual, I like to just call myself a bit of an idiot. I remember the fights that I had in my mind over the stuff that made no sense. I remember crying out to God, help me understand, show me the way, show me the truth, give me the book to read, show me the evidence, I've got to see it all. And eventually he showed me some of those pieces and then he started working on my heart for real. And I came to a place where I trusted even when I didn't quite understand. And that's what I'd love to help all of you achieve. A space where it might not make all the sense in your brain, but your heart is full of the love and the light of Christ. There's an army of people in this room that want to help you there. He's everything. He's most precious. He's he to you. Let's pray. Dearly Father, celebrate um, as a church throughout reminder of the hope that we have in you. Our hope love for us never runs out. And our evening and families are going to be opening presents and sharing food together and tomorrow morning there's going to be even greater celebrations. I pray that you would be at the center of it all. And, and I also know Lord that this season is really hard for a lot of people too. This might be the first Christmas gathering that a family member is no longer present. It might be the 10th Christmas when a friend is no longer with us here on earth. I'm not a fool, Lord. I know how hard it can be for a lot of people that I know and love and a lot of people that are in this room that I might not know. But I pray that your light would break through. It would break through the tears, would break through the loneliness. It would help people to know just how much they're loved by the creator of the universe. And Lord, as we sing this last song, and we laugh, it's filled with light. I pray that the metaphor would not be lost on those in this room, that from your light, we have the ability, the responsibility, and the boldness to share the truth of who you are. This world needs that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
fits so damn.